Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good. Getting sick of this uh, snow, aren't we? Yeah, I know. Winter is holding strong. But that's yes. what happens this time of year. I feel like I we do a lot of flip-flopping. We do. And that can lead to some pretty bad weather, some mm-hmm. powerful weather, and some pretty severe weather, which yeah. unfortunately was something that occurred south of us. Yeah, there was a an extreme tornado outbreak that was down towards the Gulf states. And interestingly enough, before this event happened a week prior, one of the questions that I answered on TV, because we do weather-wise Wednesdays, mm-hmm. and the question was, how will severe weather season be in the Miami Valley? Um, and I pointed out the fact that we're in an El Nino pattern. What that does is it brings the jet stream down close to the Gulf states, and that's likely where the... Uh, most be. intense severe weather is going to be this year. Yeah. And fast forward five days after I did that on air is and when this happened. outbreak happened. Yeah. And it was, it was um, almost two dozen deaths, which horrible, horrible, um, you know, outnumbering anything we had last year. It's it just the fact that that many people lost their lives mm-hmm. in a tornado outbreak and in a well forecasted and well warned as yeah. many would, would argue. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, you know, they're trying to move forward. They're trying to rebuild mm-hmm. and and get their lives back together. But it seems at least just looking through social media, the you know meteorologists across the country and and um, some social scientists as well, just kind of looking at some of the infrastructure things yeah. Yeah. that maybe need to continue to be worked on. It really, I think, started a dialogue again of some of these areas that were hit, what yeah. types of homes, that kind of thing, what can be done. Yeah, I think it was a highly populated manufactured home, mobile yeah. home type of area. Granted, you know, if you had a, a stronger home, you know, you might have been in a better situation, but these were powerful twisters that I came mean, through. I mean, right. They weren't, yeah. yes, this wasn't anything weak. This yeah. was um, insane. So kind of a really horrible way to start a transition into spring, mm-hmm. um, but one that if anything, maybe now everyone is just a reminder of, yeah, don't ignore warnings. Yeah. Don't ignore, um, and take it as a learning experience that I know our brains are still in the winter mind frame, Mm -hmm. but like we have to start thinking severe weather. Um, and how do we prepare for severe weather season? And our guests that we have on are going to talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Plus, they've been the boots on the ground after some of these devastating right. events. I've been to a couple of tornado damage sites in the Miami Valley, but nothing compares to what just happened in right. the Gulf states and nothing compares to hurricane or wildfire events. And yeah. we're going to hear real life experiences with our guests today. Exactly. So I uh, want to introduce our guest today. We're going to start with Mike Carter. Give us a little background on yourself, sir. Hello, Kirsty. Uh, yes, I'm a communication specialist with uh, Ohio Task Force One. That's one of FEMA's 28 urban search and rescue teams uh, c- located around the country. We work out of uh, Kettering, actually. And we have um, about, I think we have about 120 people rostered at any particular time in a Type 1 deployment. We'll send out 80 or 84 people, depending upon uh, the type of skills that are usually required. 
Okay. So part of your job then, I guess, what occurs that you're like, okay, here are, here's my people. Then you decide who you're going to disperse out. Typically, uh, we are on a rotation. So it sort of is like the, uh, uh, the last guy that didn't get out goes out. Okay. Uh, but typically what happens with, with us is, uh, kind of reflecting on some of the comments that you made in your introductory comments, typically when they call out a federal task force, they ain't nothing left. Okay. Uh, so we have to take our own communications infrastructure with us. We take our own radios, our own satellite gear, uh, our own equipment for uh, doing data mm-hmm. uh, transmissions back to uh, headquarters down in D.C., So when we show up, there typically is no power, no cell phone, no radio, no nothing. So we have to drag all of that stuff with us in an attempt to save souls. Right. I mean, because like communication is so important, so powerful and can help keep organization to an area that is completely disorganized at that point. That's exactly the case, because when you're uh, when you have no telephone, how do you call for help? So that's where the urban, the, the urban search and rescue group comes in. That's largely what we do. We have our own medical people that go with us, along with uh, me- mechanical structural engineers. Uh, we take our own cribbing and shoring. Uh, rescue guys that are absolutely amazing. They can go through two feet of reinforced concrete faster than a mole can go through dry <laughs> sand in your garden. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and our goal is we have... Uh, we have microphones that we listen for tapping underneath rubble piles. Wow. Uh, mm. We have um, infrared cameras that we spook around and try and find survivors. And uh, we have to be ready to roll in, uh, in about, I think we have a six-hour window from the time we're notified. We have to be on the road because there may well be people trapped. Right. And, and they are, they're, they're, they're not going to survive very long. Oh so gosh. that's uh, when we go into theater, it's, things, have, things have gotten pretty ugly. Wow. When is the most recent time, I guess, that you have been? My, my most recent deployment was during Hurricane Harvey, okay. which was, um, it was very interesting. We got down to Texas and were basically landlocked for about 48 hours because we couldn't move. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. were, we were trapped where we were. Even though we had our, our boat squadron with us, uh, it was very, very difficult because the water, well, where we were stationed, they had a, a team in from California, mm-hmm. and they were running their air, airboats up and down the parking lot of the school where we were stationed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, it was really quite a quite a mess. Yeah, and um, it's 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 tough to see all of the homeless folk uh, who have uh, who, whose lives will probably never be the same. Right. They 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 were uh, had uh, nice, comfortable middle class living, mm-hmm. and now they are. I know when I was at Sandy, uh, you would see people walking around with green trash bags. Yeah. That's what they had, and they actually got the trash bag from some uh, kind soul that was uh, that was helping out uh, the people that had been uh, hurt there, and that's all they had. What is that like? I mean, it's it's tough. It's uh, it's hard. Yeah, I can't imagine being in your position and and having to see people that are just like you, and then imagining how that would impact your life. Well, I always think when I'm on a deployment that you, you get pretty beat up, you get pretty tired, you, it's, it's rough, because we're typically, 
were deployed for a a 14-day period mm-hmm. plus one-day travel. And I always think that when this deployment is over, I'm going to go home. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of folks that have no home to go home to. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just, you're witnessing people that have lost everything, but yet you still have to keep yourself together. You, you've got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, thank you for what you do. Yeah. Um. And and you're making a difference in their lives. You know what yeah. I mean. It may be hard to to see and do, but you well, are helping them. That's yeah. our our goal is to get there and save lives. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, and that's that's what you're doing. So once again, probably not necessarily the first thing that people think about or even know that crews like your crew is mm. are, are out there. Are you know, like you said, saving lives, rescuing people, and keeping that line of communication open. That's a huge deal and And so unbelievably necessary. We're so used to having a phone that can always ring and text and It never goes down. It never goes away until it does. Yes, exactly. And when it does, you're you're in a different world. Yeah. It's like darkness. And I mean, you're a special type of person that in this sense that disaster happens somewhere in a moment's notice within six hours, you're dropping your life, whatever you're doing, whatever everybody thinks is important in that day is no longer important because you're you're gonna yeah, change we your got path the, at that point. Uh, we got the call up for harvey about i guess i got the call up about 10 p.m and i think i was awake for four days mm. i think and um needless to say your capacity to do a whole lot goes down <laughs> right. quite a lot then but uh it's uh somebody's got to do it yeah. yeah we spoke with uh one of our sister station meteorologists um and he was in hurricane florence and we were talking about you know is there a moment that you're scared when you're there and he said this one yeah perhaps a little bit but it wasn't the kind of fear as harvey he said you know with the water just kept coming up and coming yeah. up and and seeing all of the lives that were impacted in harvey and he said it was it was a different, s- a different level yeah so. i i suppose you and i are what Kirsty, three feet away, something like that, yeah. and where we were stationed uh, for for a good period of time, it was raining so hard that no matter how loudly you and I yelled at each other, we could not hear each other mm. because of the rain on the roof. Oh my goodness! It was pretty. It was pretty pretty grisly. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, and for all that you have done for Harvey, um, and for all the other missions that you're a part of. Uh, another person also that is heavily involved is Mr. Gary Clark. Welcome. Hi, Christy. Hi. I'm Nicole. Hi. <laughs> uh, so Gary, also connected in this, and also someone that has been on um, several missions. Yes. Let's go a little bit deeper now into what exactly you're doing on those missions. Okay, well, first, I am a volunteer at the Dayton Area Chapter of the American Red Cross. Mm-hmm. I have a steady state role, in which is locally here. Um, I'm part of the disaster action team, which, you know, uh, the local fire calls that happen that we get dispatched to. I'm also a disaster preparedness educator for youth, grades three through five with the Pillowcase Project, which is a project sponsored by Disney, which came out after Hurricane Katrina. Okay. Mm. So then I also have a disaster role. Uh, when the bigger disasters happens, I am deployed in areas such as disaster assessment, which is the damage assessment of the, the area, uh, transportation, the providing goods and supplies and people, getting mm-hmm. them to where they need to go, 
and disaster service technology, which is um, stuff like networking and computer operations and communications. Yeah. So there's, uh, I have a wide range of roles that I do <laughs> yeah. uh, at, at any given time. So last year, 2018, I was deployed to Cincinnati for the Ohio River floods. Okay. And my role down there was disaster assessment. So we were going door to door, assessing yeah. each house, taking damage surveys. Wow. That way they can get re- relayed back to the Red Cross. So, you know, we would partner with our uh, emergency management agencies down there and that translate into the type of disaster assistance an area needs. Mm-hmm. So like we provide the distribution of emergency supplies, such cleanup kits, bleach, mops, stuff like that. Yeah. Or if it's a, a major that we may need open shelters and that we have to house these clients somewhere. Um, I went to the California wildfires for the Mendocino complex fire. Yeah. Forget about how <laughs> impactful those were. That one was, uh, I was a transportation role there and that was, a lot of driving. Yeah. I was driving uh, four hours round trips uh, to the airport, getting supplies, getting people, taking them to the disaster zone, or if there was a, a medical need at one of the shelters to procure that item and take it to the shelter for the nurse that needed it. What mm. is that like being in a different, an area you're probably not super familiar with um, and having to drive and transport and, you know, be responsible for, that's pretty important. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, it, right, and not knowing the area, I mean, you're kind of relying on GPS, and then it gets into routine. Yeah. And, but it, what happens if GPS isn't working? You just kind of fuddle, fuddle your way and using the old-fashioned maps. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Old yeah. technology still works. Right. You <laughs> know? Still work. Guys. So you go and, and buy a gazetteer at the local uh, bookstore, and yeah, and you just uh, work. You adapt. You do what you got to do. And then so. After that one, I was deployed into Hurricane Florence, uh, again, doing disaster assessment. This time I took more of a supervisory role, mm-hmm. and uh, I was um, more of a situational awareness. I was deploying teams into the areas that were impacted, also keeping track of the river floods that were still going on right. after mm-hmm. the hurricane had hit because yeah. the rivers were still rising. So a lot of road closures, where to direct the teams to go, yeah. and you know, two days after arriving there, we had a tornado warning hit two counties away. Mm. Wow. And so we had to go and do disaster assessments on that area as well as doing the hurricane stuff yeah. and keeping teams safe that are out there, letting them know there's a tornado warning in our yeah. coverage area that we are, are currently in. What was, um, I guess, communication? Were you guys using radio? Were you able to still have cell phones? Was it, you know? Up until Hurricane Michael, which was my fourth deployment this year. When I went to Hurricane Michael in Florida, Panama City, of course, 65% of the cell towers were out. Right, I remember Mm -hmm. that. And uh, we did use um, the uh, emergency communication response vehicle from Columbus. Yes. Uh, went down there. Uh, me and another uh, teammate drove that vehicle from Columbus down to Florida, and we did utilize the amateur radio uh, to talk to the MA, the state EMA, the local fire, mm-hmm. um, because there there was that much of a need that the infrastructure was gone, and we had to use those communication skills in order to provide the, the services to the clients. I mean, we had a, a few emergency situations where um, they had to call the medical copter, helicopter in at one of the shelters. Wow. And the only way they could do do that was through the amateur radio um, 
calling the state EMA, telling them that we have a medical emergency down here because there was no way to contact the local FEMA group or the EMA locally to get that emergency in there. Wow. So luckily we had had the assets and the capability to contact the state EMA who got the ball rolling. Wow. I see. And the radio, I mean, I know. people just, they are not growing up with it as much and they just forget, but like, it's always working. Yes. You know, and, and that's the thing. It never stops and, and working. And what people don't realize is that, you know, a lot of the technology came out of, yeah. out of the radio, you know, our cell yes. phones. Right. You know, uh, GPS, mm-hmm. uh, email, you know, a lot of that texting mm-hmm. was all, uh, uh, you know, started out in amateur radio. Yeah. So, you know, even if the phone lines go down, we can still talk to, talk on radio simplex. Yeah. Which is, you know, used without the repeater, just talking radio to radio. Mm-hmm. And if we can have a base station that has more power, we can get out to where we need to. I think I remember on Twitter actually seeing mm-hmm. the photo of that communication yes. truck yes that it was like its yeah. own little world yeah i just remember i remember seeing a lot of things on social media like everything else wasn't working and the only way people were getting little, information was yeah. from radio and it, and it does and, and bring to that point of the, importance the importance of it, of it. And, and one of the things you know at the shelter when you're trying to locate everybody or trying to get help or trying to our communications truck was set up with a via sat satellite mm-hmm to bring that communication into our truck, and then we provided Wi-Fi to everybody in the shelter, mm-hmm. the workers and the residents. That way they can contact their family members to let them know they're safe, right. to contact uh, um, social services that they need help with this, registering for FEMA yeah. um, help or whatever was needed. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell that you have a similar mentality, I, th- I think, as to Kirsty and I, in the sense that when there's bad things happening, as far as weather, you kind of take off that personal hat and you, you go into this mind frame that you just need to get the information out there and you need to be helpful. Oh, yes. 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 But there is a point of reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, I feel like it's always, you know, after and, and the dust has settled. You went to so many things this year, and I know you had different roles. Some you were probably deeper seated into what was happening. Others is more of a support role. But is there anything that just sticks out in your mind from this past year that is just something you're never going to forget? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, for example, I, we, we spoke with Brian Wood. He uh, is a storm damage analyst, and he was saying that when he went to the Panama City area, he said it was interesting that you could stand on the beach and look out at the water and it just looked like paradise, but you turn 180 degrees and you could just see mass destruction. Yes. And, you know, I, I went to Mexico City Beach. Yeah. I yeah. was there where, where all that destruction happened. I went through Tyner Air Force Base and driving through there and, and just it was remarkably, on, you could see exactly the, the hurricane path because one side of the bridge would be completely devastated and the other side recover fairly quickly by the time we got in there um i was sent to port st joe first which is another area they got hit by hurricane michael and so it was a week before i got into panama city before we started providing services in there Mm -hmm. and like i said just just from one side of town the other side of town was just a remarkable difference just because of the tornado path i mean the uh, hurricane path yeah when you were in California, were you close to the, like where the fires were? Like, could you smell the fires? Oh, every morning, um, uh. we were we were placed in hotels. Mm-hmm. So every morning we woke up and I was right there on the lake. I happened to have a, a beautiful spot on the lake, 
every morning you woke up, you could smell the smoke and you could just see the haze over top of the lake and mm-hmm. from the mountains. You knew how close you were to the fire. Mm. That's crazy. Did you have like uh, really interesting sunsets because of the haze in the sky? Didn't really see a lot of sun. Oh, yeah. Because the smoke it was, it was, it was that, that much, thick. that was that mm-hmm. thick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You knew it was daylight, but you did not, you could not see the sun because of how thick the haze was. I think um, actually this morning we had talked that there were um, also two volunteers that were going down to Alabama actually from the Red Cross. And they yeah. had said, you know, daily you think of the Red Cross, a lot of fire relief, you know, you're going to, if, if there was a house fire, helping to make sure that people have what they need and, and you know, um, and, and if there was an operation available for me to go, I would go to Alabama myself. Yeah. Right now it's nurses and yes, and uh, disaster spiritual care, which right. is the pastor that went. Yeah. Um, uh, mental health is another area that's mm-hmm. needed down there right now. So right now those are a lot of uh, direct client services right. that are needed um, in that area right now. My, my role, as was stated, I'm more of a support role. So mm-hmm. that may trigger up here after they get down there right. and, and start assessing the, what's going on and, and what impact is, yeah. has happened. And then uh, if uh, one of my areas happened to come open, on, then uh, I would be deployed. That's crazy. Well, thank you, Gary. I know. Gary, thanks for what you do as well. We tried to get Gary on multiple times last year, but I felt like every I time mean, we were going to ask him to come time on, you're too busy helping well, me talk well, to John. You know, and Don said, multiple, "Well, he's going to the fire." I have multiple hats, so I know. you know, it's just not, you know, he's just too busy. We're driving <laughs> too around busy. the country helping people, I know, and stuff. saving the world one yeah. state at a time. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, like I said, I don't think a lot of people oftentimes think of, you know, you just automatically go to a fire, um, you know, EMS, like that kind of thing, but. We, we forget about a lot of, of other things that are going on, whether, you know, with different levels of FEMA, with Red Cross volunteers, all of that. I mean, it's so important. And you guys are in Ohio, but yet you're states away helping people that, that need it. And you'd help people in Ohio, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It, you know, we're, it's not that you wouldn't be here doing the same thing in our state. We're just... Which I did. We did. Right. I was going to say you were in Cincinnati for huge river flooding, you know, so we forget that, Mm -hmm. that there's just so many people that need each other. And um, thank you because it is, it's people like you that have no problem volunteering and and stepping up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a wonderful thing. We've got another guest. Yes. Rounding out. Also in service, (laughs) sir, Mr. John Parker. Which, Don, we've had you on. So if you this is your first time listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast, go back to uh, one of our first. I mean, it was... It was almost around this time last year. I think it yeah. was in March. In March of it last was the, year. your second one. Yeah. 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 So one of our very first episodes, we got to talk to Don. Um, and Don, I do want you to explain a little bit about your background because you as well are very important to uh, this community. You've had quite an extensive list of jobs. Well, I've been involved in ham radio since 1992, and I'm one of the co-coordinators for Dayton Skywarn. Gary and Mike are both uh, members. Gary's a uh, co-coordinator now. Uh, I'm involved with Montgomery County Emergency Management. Mike and I are on the MCOM team, which is Emergency Communications. Uh, we're members of COAD, which is a it's about a two-and-a-half-year-old program now, which is communities active in uh, um, uh, disasters. 
And this was, uh, we were involved in ground four with EMA and FEMA getting this put together. Mm -hmm. This is an organization, volunteers, which is all we, that's all we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we have an incident where somebody needs uh, like housing or there's a specific need, like when the EF0 tornado went down uh, Glen Mine and Kettering a couple years ago, Uh, A lot of residents did not have access or funding to take care of all the huge trees. COAD was brought in, and we have organizations from churches, uh, different. Basically, what we've done, we've taken Red Cross, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, the Food Bank, um, Goodwill, Mm -hmm. all these major organizations that are involved in helping the community, are all, all grouped through COAD now. Wow. So if somebody needs something, they call them, uh, the EMA office and identify what their needs are. They will contact that group that needs to go out and help. Wow. That's, uh, a, once again, communication, mm-hmm. keeping everything tied together. Right. That's and then with Skywarn, uh, we were, uh, we became an organized group in 1974 after the uh, Xenia tornado. And the reason that was organized, because lack of communications. Now I was stuck out in the middle of Arrowhead, which is total flat and disaster, mm-hmm. and wasn't able to talk to anybody but my partner. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. And it was an interesting night. And uh, then I was back there again in uh, September uh, 2000 for the second tornado. And once again, it was ham radio communications that we utilized in order to, um, you know, coordinate and, and call what we needed. Yeah. Wow. So. Um, for And you explained a little bit more in that first episode that we had with you, um, a lot more about kind of your experience with Xenia and then getting that ball rolling really with like making sure that the communication lines were open between the different uh, EMA directors and police and fire and, and all of that. Um, when it comes to, I guess, where we're at right now, like all of the advancements that you guys have all worked on, for someone who maybe didn't know much about ham radio or maybe how involved it is just with even daily rescues mm-hmm. today, um, how can they get involved? Well, this Saturday, March 9th, we will be uh, sponsoring or hosting mm-hmm. uh, Skywarn Weather Spotter Training with the National Weather Service, and that'll be from 9 a.m. to noon, mm-hmm. and that'll be at the Miami Valley Hospital main campus, which is 1 Wyoming Street in Dayton. You have to specify which Miami <laughs> Valley Hospital mm-hmm. now. Uh, we will be in the uh, women's um, excuse me, the very Women's Center building in the Beiser Auditorium. You come in the main entrance into the building, go to the right, and uh, go to the auditorium. There's uh, no charge for it. We uh, should have a couple local meteorologists, so if you want to meet the people you I'll get to there. watch like on McCall. TV, uh, McCall's <laughs> going to be there. I believe Carly Smith from Channel 2 will be there. Nice. Um, the rest of them, they'll probably be at Bill's Donuts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It's a it's a three hour class, and uh, once you uh, once you are are or once the program is completed, then uh, they will tell you how you can uh, receive a certification card, 
and we'll have uh, brochure information from both the National Weather Service and Dayton Skywarn uh, to give out. So it, it'll run about three hours since we have guest speakers and presentations coming mm-hmm. in. If Now, if somebody who is listening has already had the basic, and that's what this class is, on uh, May 4th in Cincinnati will be the advanced class, and that'll be from 9 to 1 o'clock, and that'll be uh, at the Anderson Center on Five Mile Road. Now, if you want to find out where these classes are, uh, we have additional uh, classes. We will be running uh, Skywarn National Weather Service training classes in a variety of different counties. You can go to the DaytonSkywarn.org website and click on the uh, Weather Spotter link. That'll take you right to the training calendar. You can go to Dayton Skywarn uh, Facebook and Twitter, mm-hmm. and that'll also give you that information. Or you can work your way through National Weather Service website and hope to find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you explain a little bit about, like, what are you going to learn in the basic class and the advanced class? So I'm coming. What am I going to get out of this? Yeah. In the basic class, they'll te- you'll learn how to, like, read the, the clouds and the, basically the weather. And uh, – You'll receive information on the different types of uh, weather emergencies like flash flooding, tornadoes. Uh, they don't dwell into hurricanes uh, very much since we don't we're not prone to them. Mm-hmm. Of course, in two thousand eight, you could tell Ike uh, uh, don't come back. Right. But uh, and for many years, and I've taught uh, uh, fire safety and weather response down at Sinclair. I always said, and in Ohio, we never have to worry about a hurricane. <laughs> well, in 2008, that got changed. <laughs> so basically, it's a matter of we teach people how to be weather spotters. If you uh, if you see like a damaged building, trees down, and we want to know is it a live or a dead tree, or you know what size branch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we you're, we don't teach you to be storm chasers. Right. Right. No. Uh, we're very against that, but we teach you how to be a weather spotter to go out and recognize and report in the information. You do not have to be a ham radio operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get certified on your card, they'll they'll have the information. You can call the NWS. Well, in Wilmington directly and give them your weather report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are a ham radio operator, what we do is we cover 16 counties. When National Weather Service contacts myself, Gary, or Lou, uh, we activate the comm center here at uh, uh, Channel 7 in, in the building. And each individual county activates their weather uh, net. Mm-hmm. Then they take the weather reports from their weather spotters by ham radio they then report that into us, and we relay that down to the National Weather Service. And we use uh, uh, ham radio predominantly. We have NWS chat, which, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, we, we all can get on there and chit-chat mm-hmm. about the weather. And occasionally telephone. Yeah. But it's, it's really important. I think it is, uh, because this day and age, unfortunately, there are going to be people that are trying to take advantage of situations and put out wrong information just so that they can have their five minutes of fame. So, for instance, you have a severe weather day and someone just sends in a photo of a tornado. Right. The the problem is because there's been so much, you know, um, 
fake content that's put put out there, it, it can give us a moment of, is this real or is it not? Mm-hmm. If you become certified, you are taken seriously immediately. Yeah. So if you go through this training, you get that card, you call the National Weather Service, or you have a ham radio and you say, I see a tornado mm-hmm. on the ground, instantly we're taking you for your word and you could potentially be saving someone's life. And I'd like to add to that, you know, the first part of that class that Don's going to give is is the amateur radio part. Yeah, that's he, he, meant, he failed to mention. But the first part of that class is going to be about amateur radio and how mm-hmm. to, what we do and how to get involved. Mm-hmm. And then I like to think the amateur radio as the same as the fire and EMS who use the uh, radio for their tech channels. When everybody's on the radio on the same page, everybody can hear what's going on in the mm-hmm. county. Everybody can track what's yeah. going on. Everybody can hear the same so they can tell, okay, this is happening here. It may be happening in my spot. Okay, it's here now. It's, this is happening right. here. Now it's going on to this next place and yeah. and gives more credence to the verification of this happened here. Exactly. Now it's here. Yeah. And everybody's on the same channel. Everybody knows what's going on. And, and that's so true because just, it, again, back to social media and that kind of thing, people could be sending in photos and reports through email. We're getting reports through Facebook. We're getting reports through right. Twitter. It's kind of hard to take all of that when everything's going on. But you guys have this network of trust and it's all coming into yeah. that one place Which is what everybody's feeding that information Which all is the what one happened place in the cedarville tornado cedarville yes. trader we had boots on the ground who was near there and we tracked it all the way across green county into clark county up to madison county all through radio everybody knew where that mm-hmm. tornado was everybody knew when it struck the dobbins family farm right. yep. everybody knew yeah and where I that rem- thing was and where it was going yeah. and i remember how seamless like in my mind when i think about how much right. that was a well-oiled machine that it cedarville really I, you know, I was in the building. You guys were in the building. Information is coming in, and yeah. you don't have to wait to necessarily verify because yeah. everybody is certified, and yeah. you know that it's accurate information that you're getting. Yeah, so a great class. Um, there are classes all across the Miami Valley, different counties. So, again, you can go to the Skywarn website, and you're able mm-hmm. to um, get the list of when these different classes will be in different counties, so you could check that out because they do. They go through um, March, and then isn't this the um, – the main advanced classes in the beginning of May. It's May yeah. 4th. So you've That's got good. plenty of time to mm-hmm. get around to different classes. Maybe you missed one in your county. You could drive to the next one and see a different class. If you have a kid that might be a little nervous, it's very educational. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's honestly kind of a great way to educate them, expose them. And sometimes it's about learning about storms and about severe weather that can really make people less nervous. So, so. so, so there is a funny story about that. Two years ago, we had an eight-year-old come <laughs> oh. to our class. And um, we learned this year, his mother contacted us on our Facebook page and said that uh, for his birthday this year, they had scheduled a, a, an activity in Indiana and found out that uh, our training was happening that weekend of his birthday <laughs> and canceled his, uh-huh. his uh, activity in Indianapolis because he had to get recertified for Skywalk. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so this will be his 10th birthday, and he's going to spend it with us. That's awesome. Wow. See? That's amazing. I know. Um, you know the one thing I, I want to point out is whether you're a ham radio operator or, a, as we say, a civilian out there checking the weather, you are the, an important part of the weather system. You are the eyes for the National mm-hmm. weather, Ser- weather Service. And... Over the past, uh, I think, three years, it has been, uh, well, for us, it's been ham radio operators who, who have alerted us to funnel clouds and tornadoes on the mm-hmm. ground. Mm-hmm. So you're a very intricate part. You know, like I said, you don't have to be a ham radio operator. And I always like to stress that because a lot of people 
get hung up on, well, I don't know how to work a radio. Right. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that would be one of the parts that, that we stress also in the training on Saturday. I think that's wonderful, guys. Um, this it, was great. Right? Yeah. We are not the only two that are blown away um, just from learning, from listening to your stories. I thank all three of you for all that you've done in your communities, not mm-hmm. only here in the Miami Valley, but of course, Mike and Gary, if you guys have traveled um, and helped lots of others. And of course, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone down south because mm-hmm. they have a lot um, to get through to rebuild. I mean, that was definitely eye-opening and a terrifying severe weather event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something we carry with us, and, and we're not even there. So, yeah. Um, actually, you know what? If if you maybe want to talk, Gary, real quick about um, if maybe people want to get involved and help with the Red Cross, uh, if even if it's just sure know, online maybe, donations. Yeah, online if, donations. Online donate. Yourself. If you want to donate, um, you can go to redcross.org, call 1-800-RED-CROSS. Um, if you want to volunteer, uh, you can fill out an online application again at redcross.org, fill out the application, let everybody know what you're interested in, and someone will contact you and get you in touch with the right person. We're, we're more than we're glad to have you. We're happy to have you guys. Yes. Um, thanks so much for listening. If Again, if this is your first time listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast, you can go back, listen to all of our old episodes. Mm-hmm. Of Colin and I were just reflecting on crazy uh, yeah. year I- that we've had now, and, and we've been able to continue this. If you have suggestions for anyone you'd like to maybe have on the show, or if you'd like to come on with us and talk, um, you know, we like to talk about all things weather. So uh, we would appreciate any suggestions as well. You could email both of us. Um, And you can always listen to us on uh, Google Play as well as Stitcher and um, Apple Podcasts and WHIO.com, of course. We always will post our web stories with the direct link right to our different podcasts for you. So thanks so much for joining us this time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.